there's sometimes a gulf between the accepted history story and what really happened. That is to say, history is subject to reinterpretation, particularly if we learn new information or changing social politics lead us to examine a topic in a new way. Christopher Columbus is one of the biggest hot-button examples of this, and it's not just that he didn't really discover America. I'm Tracy S. Morris, and I am not making this up. Now, I went to elementary school in rural Arkansas in the 80s. What fourth grade social studies taught me about Columbus was that he was this visionary who thought the world was round when everyone else thought it was flat. That he went to Ferdinand and Isabella of Spain, and they believed in his vision. Then he landed in the Americas, realized he'd found a new world, and claimed it for Spain. Ta-da! Most of this is fiction peddled by Washington Irving. The reality is somewhat different. Columbus was a single father of two boys. His noblewoman wife, Philippa, mother to his son Diego, had died. He never married his mistress because she was a peasant. Her name was Beatrice, and she was the mother of his son, Fernando. But she remained with him for the rest of his life. Now, like most single fathers, Columbus needed to find a way to provide for his family. So he had a crazy idea, a literally crazy idea. Why not find a passage to India by sailing west? Now, the reason the idea was crazy wasn't that everyone believed the world was flat. People knew the world was round. They had known that since the time of the ancient Greeks, six centuries BC. But they also knew that the world was too big to try to sail west. Without a way to reprovision your ship, you would run out of supplies before you ever reached India. But thanks to a calculating error, or several calculating errors, Columbus believed the Earth was 75% smaller than it actually was. He approached nearly every royal house in Europe before going back to Ferdinand and Isabella for a second time. Now, Ferdinand and Isabella were the crown heads of Aragon and Castile, and the two monarchs had just concluded hostilities meant to drive people of Islamic faith from their lands. They needed cash, and they needed to compete with their neighboring country, Portugal, but they didn't have money to expand their fleet because they needed cash. So having a secret direct trade route to Asia would put them on a more even footing with their neighbor Portugal. So the monarchs had really nothing to lose, and they granted Columbus the use of three extra ships. Now, Queen Isabella did not hawk the crown jewels to do so, as it says in popular myth. Columbus also entered into a contract stating that he would be made governor of whatever colony he established in Asia which would mean a legacy for his sons, Diego and Ferdinand. He would have an exploration monopoly and 10% of all wealth from trade coming out of that, Asia. When he arrived, he was convinced he'd landed in Asia. On his second voyage, he started to suspect that he hadn't actually arrived in Asia, but he kept those suspicions to himself rather than lose favor with Ferdinand and Isabella. His attempts were for nothing. Word started to reach them that the lands he ruled over, he ruled with an iron, tyrannical fist, torturing anybody who opposed him, and that his two brothers were just as brutal. His relationship with the king and queen were strained, as he also failed to bring them enough gold to cover his expenses. In 1500, after four voyages west, Columbus was removed from his position, and the crown broke the contract, giving 
other explorers a chance at the new trade route with Asia. Columbus and his heirs then entered into a lengthy legal battle with the crown of what was now Spain to restore his rights and his inheritance. His older son, Diego, eventually went on to become governor of Hispaniola. His younger son, Ferdinand, used his inheritance and became a scholar with an extensive library of over 1,500 books. And eventually, he wrote Columbus's biography. In 1502, two years after Columbus's removal, another Italian mapmaker and voyager, Amerigo Vespucci, had just returned from a voyage that discovered that the coastline of what is now South America extended further south than anyone believed. Based on his observations, Vespucci deduced and convinced the Spanish crown that the discovered lands were not islands on the outer edge of Asia, but a completely new landmass. Vespucci went on to become the Spanish crown's chief navigator in charge of planning expeditions to the Indies, as they were now called. Vespucci's letters describing his voyages were the European public's first glimpse of the New World. Though Columbus had kept a detailed ship's log, Queen Isabella kept the log private to avoid rival countries being able to follow Columbus's roots. All of this is why the country that I'm recording this podcast in is the United States of America and not the United States of Columbia. Thank you for listening to I Am Not Making This Up. My podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, pretty much all the other directories now, so subscribe. If you like what you hear, leave a review with your preferred podcast service. That's how other listeners find us. For more bizarre stories that I didn't make up and a few that I did, go to my website, tracysmorris.com. I post a new history story every Monday. You can also subscribe to my newsletter. I send out an original speculative fiction short story every month. Or check out my short stories and novels there. If you want a good laugh, why not purchase one of my many books, like Bride of Tranquility, a murder mystery set in a haunted hotel during a Renaissance wedding. It's available on Amazon, through Yard Dog Press, or Bain Books. And if you have an improbable history topic you'd like me to cover, please drop me an email at author at tracysmorris.com.